because making games is easy. Right? Right. It's Behind the Line Radio with your host, Kinetic. And it starts now. Hello everyone and welcome to Behind the Line Radio, a podcast about the making of video games, the business of video games, and the people of the video games industry. I'm your host, Kinetic, a.k.a. Nick, and joining me as always, the host of the Point Streak Podcast, Baron Fang, or Jeff. How are you doing today, Jeff? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing okay. And joining us once again, that's uh, two in a row. That's not too common for uh, Behind the Line Radio. Uh, Chris joins us again. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great. Thanks for letting me come back, guys. Okay, so the... <laughs> well, you're always welcome. So, <laughs> so the topic for today. Um, not too long ago, there was a post by Jeff Kaplan on the Overwatch forums that talked about how difficult it can be sometimes for developers to talk directly with the player base. Because it can be scary for the developers. Sometimes things can, you know, be taken too seriously or get taken as gospel when, like, say, uh, I believe his, one of his, uh, examples is we're talking about Ava and the community mm. would take that to mean it's written in stone that something's going to change when really it's just they had a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, things can start turning sour if things aren't handled well. So wanted to bring in Chris back to talk about this because I know you have dealt with game communities that turn toxic. I know that there are times when you can look at community sentiment and, and kind of gauge how toxic it is. And I think before we step in, I, I think there is a distinction to draw here between sort of community sentiment within a game within that limited context turning toxic and observations about toxicity in the greater um you know i really don't like the term but it's it's understandable what i'm talking about when i say the greater gamer culture so right um, let's just start with an individual game rather than the culture at large Right, right. Well, you know, first, uh, uh, I have massive respect for Jeff uh, Kaplan, very smart guy. And um, to be honest, to even publicly say something like this, I think is is actually a big deal. Um, having worked, um, you know, in customer support and with communities um, for my, you know, basically my entire career, you know, I've seen this. And with, you know, with specific games, um, you know, they can they can go negative. I, I think, um, you know, the days of, of just having a prepackaged game that's, that's essentially done. There's nothing else for it. Um, you know, there is no DLC, anything like that is over. And, um, and so now when you get a game, it's, it's kind of, it's imperfect. It's, it's, it's ever evolving, um, piece of art. And because of that, uh, people get angry. Um, and and feel they they have expectations that if I'm going to spend my time or my money that that's going to happen and I've seen this happen on on specific games, um, and you know it's it's hard for us because we you know we as a a you know as publishers and studios want to be able to engage more with our communities and talk to them and be more transparent, 
Um, but but you're totally right where um, developers are, are actually scared a lot of times to outright speak to their communities because um, it's so vicious. Hmm. Well, thanks for saying I'm totally right, but I'm not the one who said it. Jeff was the one who said it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Not this Jeff, Jeff Kaplan. Yes, Not that yeah. this Jeff wouldn't say it, but <laughs> I'll be given right. opportunities to be right later. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll wait for that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, even within this thread, I because um, I w- when we talk about stuff like this, I don't want to take stuff on, uh, on secondhand accounts if I can ever help it. I try to trace everything back to the source. Mm. You know, I've I've heard this referred to as like try to trace it back. Some people try to trace it back to a YouTube video. Which wasn't like I found that video that they were talking about, and, and that was just him talking about steps they take to address player toxicity, and that it takes uh, away from development time, which is yeah. just straight up true. I've yeah. heard it referred to as as Jeff Kaplan was going on a rant on Twitter, which I, I don't even think he has a Twitter. Account. I, I was trying to look for that. It's not on. <laughs> it's not on Twitter. No, it's a right. really long, detailed. It's not a rant. It's a post on the uh, official forums. Right, it's a blue post. Yep, and one of the funny things about it is the the forums, first of all, they, they reacted very positively to it, and they said, thank you for all of this, but at the same time, they kind of proved the point. I, I don't know if this was ironic or not, because this is the kind of stuff that you lose in text, but he mentioned, uh, we love all 26 heroes, and there's 25 in the game, and so everyone's like, <laughs> oh my god, 26, like... <laughs> Secret reveal. There's nothing. No. Okay. Okay. Back to Occam's razor is probably right. a typo. Calm the hell down. Right. Right. Because because even even if the posts in the forum were understanding and ironic and 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 just kind of playing around, there's other people who are going to take that seriously and and start like, oh my god, there's a, a secret reveal coming or something like that. Is yeah. That is so. That is so true. I mean, even um, on a game that I'm I'm working on right now, um, you know, most times uh, the developers don't go into uh, the forums and have conversations. And again, a lot of times it's because of fear. Maybe they're not the, you know, the best you know orators or, or writers or, or something like that. Um, but we've got one um, who uh, even before I was around would do that. Now, the interesting part of that is, and, and he's a really smart guy, he understands the game very, very well, um, but he'll say things, and he, I, I, I think he realizes and at the same time doesn't realize um, the weight of his words, um, because it, it's exactly like this, where he'll say something, um, it may seem innocuous, but then later on, you know, uh, customer support tickets will come in and say, hey, this developer said this, so, you know, give me this or, or when is this going to happen? And, um, and then when you go, well, you know, he was just speaking. No, that's, that's not something we can do. You know, then, then that toxicity, um, you know, rears its ugly head. Yeah. Cause there, there are some players who think that, um, they're owed something. It kind of goes back to what you were saying about, uh, the days of software as a package product are gone. And some of this might be seen as a, uh, reaction to, you know, I mean, not to say that there are no things that are packaged products that just, you know, you get a 1.0 and that's it. Right. Um, cause that'll happen too. But generally, 
we're seeing video games transitioning into software as a service where you do get updates and patches and balance fixes and, you know, regular releases to Street Fighter and, <laughs> you know, trying to treat Street Fighter V as a platform and, and whatnot, which, I don't know, apparently that kind of went away with the arcade edition. So I don't know. I don't know. I haven't even looked into that one. But point, point <laughs> remains, it's, it, it, it kind of feeds back into what we were talking about with uh, David a while ago about uh, software as a service. Well, and that's and it's an interesting piece to that is is you know if you look at it a little bit higher like software as a service and, and the startup mentality, um, you know they it's been trained for years that do not wait until you have the perfect service that that doesn't make sense. Get something that is functional, get it out to your customers, mm. and then um, get their feedback, and that will help you iterate and really drive your software to where you want it to go. And, um, I mean, it's a very logical thing to do. It makes sense. But yet at the same time, you know, customers don't see it. I mean, beta, essentially you are consistently beta testing on your customers and, and a lot, many times they don't understand that. They, they, they don't understand that, oh, this is what's going on and think everything should be fixed immediately. I, I my joke is always, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have the red button to press that fixes <laughs> the bug. I wish I did. <laughs> That's that's kind of an interesting observation because that is, if, let me string this together, if you want modern games with modern features with all of the modern services and updates and continually working to try to bring more content, then you will need to have that be software as a service. If you're going to have software as a service, then the what comes out is what you just mentioned where you're not going to wait for the perfect service, you're going to get out something functional at some point. And that can lead some people feeling upset that um, I'm not quite getting the the term. It's not quite coming to mind. But but to just first functional, you know, uh, um, uh, minimum viable product. That's what I'm thinking of. That's and, exactly. And so so consumers are going to think that they're getting like scraps or something super janky when that's not the intention. They, they their their perceptions. I'm not trying to invalidate anyone's perception of anything. Mm. But that uh, understand the intention of where this is coming from, too, is my point. And I think people are getting better at that. I mean, you know, we, we have, you know, early adopter is a term now. Right. And, um, you know, a, I think a good example uh, personally for me is, you know, iOS 11 just came out lately. And, and um, I, you know, I I don't usually download the, the newest update right away because usually it has bugs and there's hot fixes and, and already they've done some hot fixes and updates and everything like that. Now I did actually for my job, I actually had to download it to, to be able to visually see some things as far as the app store and stuff like that. Um, but I knew that there would be a problem. So I waited. So I, I think, I think things are being understood there, but then on the other side, which I think we're going to get into here is, um, the culture has also changed on, you know, um, you know, how we treat each other, trolls and, and those kinds of pieces that have mm. also made it in, um, incredibly diff uh, difficult to have uh, video games as, you know, software as a service. Mm -hmm. I think the um, uh, the troll subculture or whatever you might want to call it uh, might have I think that there might be an outsized impact by that group 
under the software as a service platform because it kind of it, it gives them more space to try to mess with people. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, with the way social media is today, I mean, you could be anonymous and you can say whatever you want and you can affect, um, you know, a company or product in, in any ways you want or someone else's reputation or, or something like that. I mean, you know, trolling, it, it, you know, it's funny. I have, I have friends who, you know, who said back in the day, I, you know, I loved, loved to troll and, um, they, it was just a fun thing and I, and I get that, but now it's turned into really a, a kind of cultural piece where we have the president of the United States trolling foreign leaders and, and things like that. And it, and it seemed, seemed as okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, there's a difference between Rick rolling someone and sending <laughs> credible death threats. <laughs> right. Well, um, um, what's the, uh, I, I forget the, the term again, but, um, uh, when you call the police and, and get, oh, swatting. Oh, swatting. Yeah. Swatting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, that is freaking crazy to me. I, like, yes, I did bad things as a child, but, you know, calling the cops and trying to get a SWAT team to go to someone's house. No, never. No. Oh, my goodness. Um, an additional aspect to this is what kind of people does the game attract and this isn't to be trying to blame any victims or anything just sort of an observational uh, uh consideration um a lot of video games and uh extra credits just had a piece on this and i think they may have missed something in in their analysis at least from my perspective mm. um i mean they're they're like 10 minute episodes so they're not going to hit everything so that's understandable but a lot of video games run on power fantasy uh, there mm. aren't a whole lot that are something else. There's, you know, your walking simulator, narrative-driven type games. There's your horror games, which are, are you know, um, de-empowerment fantasy. <clears throat> um, but most of them's like, you are the special. You are the awesome one. You are, you know, <laughs> the, the, the sole pilot that can save this, you know, you're going on this crazy mission, all this stuff. And it, it feeds into the mentality that that you are like i said the special and what effect does this have on consumers over a long period of time probably i'm not going to say it was the the sole cause or anything but it probably can contribute to a sense of entitlement oh man yeah you are the last starfighter um, <laughs> i i i would say you know i i think that this makes perfect sense right it, is that um you know that's that's Video games, like any other hobby, are a way to get uh, a, a lot of times away from something in your life. Maybe you're not happy about it or you're bored about, right? And being off, you know, um, I grew up, you know, reading a bunch. And my favorite books were, you know, the young kid who was suddenly found out to have, you know, the special power or something like that when he was downtrodden. And now he's the he's the king or the wizard or something like that. And, and you know, made me feel good. And, and I thought, oh, maybe that could happen to me. And. And now with video games, you're fed that and you're fed that on and on and on. And I think where the, where the problem comes in is if you feel like the publisher or the studio or the development team or whoever, um, is somehow taking something away from you from that, whether it's because there's a bug and you didn't get what you wanted or, you know, you don't like gotcha or, or something like that, they feel like you're stealing away that, um, that, that last star, starfighter uh, 
from them, the, the way for them to show that I am the best and better than everybody else. And, and then they get angry about it and, and lash out, um, uh, in any way possible. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, and, and, and the, the business side, again, kind of as we discussed with the software as a service, it can, it can feed into that. I mean, I think it's generally true that you should do everything you can to avoid uh, making it look like you're taking something away from a customer, like in any uh, business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but sometimes it's going to happen. There's going to be a rebalancing and someone's not going to be as powerful mm. because they were overpowered before. And I'm sorry you had your play style based around their overpowered nature, <laughs> but it was reducing the fun for everybody else. So we're trying to even that out, you know, and, and that, that isn't trying to take something away from you. That's not trying to deny you your specialness. I hear that all the time too, uh, on the customer support side. Um, uh, you wouldn't believe it of, of, you know, you, you rebalanced. I now want every single dollar I've ever spent back, um, on the game. And, you know, you, you have to have this kind of, you're, you're trying to have an intellectual conversation with you don't know who. It could be a grandmother. It could be a, you know, a 10 year old kid of trying to explain no balance, you know, rebalancing is, is actually good for the game and makes it better. Um, but again, you know, they look at it as, well, I spent all my money on, on, on this character oh, yeah. and his features and, and now he's not as good. So you screwed me over. Yeah. And if you, yeah, if you start, uh, putting in microtransactions, to try to say get this character a new look, and all of a sudden you don't like the character anymore. Then people have not, are not only just personally and emotionally, but financially invested in the character that they don't like anymore, and it's kind of hard to avoid making it look like you're taking something away from them. There, so true. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if this is too detailed a legal question for this discussion, but and, doesn't uh, mean we know. won't try. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, there's only so much to be gained by throwing back. Um, terms of service in the face of someone who's not rational but are these sorts of considerations actually detailed there in those multi-page documents that we never read before we we click yes like are you when you're buying this product are you generally agreeing in there that uh yeah this is going to be a flu like is that written into these things that this is a fluid situation you are not th this is not static y your your money is going towards something that is an evolving or, or has the language evolved to, to meet that software as a service reality that is a beautiful question um because uh <laughs> even the last few weeks um i've been i've been uh talking about terms of service toss with with people and and um i th i think it's the latter i think it's um terms of service tend to evolve with uh you know kind of where the the industry has gone and um you know if you think about it where did video games come from it was really just you know those of us who were nerdy you know uh loved um programming and, and more and more video games just got made and made and made doesn't mean we're business people and so uh, a lot of those things weren't there and um mm. You know, terms of service have changed and, and they do add those pieces in there. Um, I mean, it's legalese and the whole reason why we don't really read a lot of this stuff is it's not written in layman terms. So you don't really understand a lot of it or even it's, it's made, it, it's vague because it needs to cover, you know, uh, multiple types of things. Um, but it is in there now. And, um, I mean, to, to give you an idea, I had to work with my company because, uh, uh, I, I noticed something in the terms of service that, that was actually hurting us. 
And I was like, okay, we need to change this up and change that verbiage um, uh, so that this does not continue to uh, to hurt our company. Yeah. Perhaps perhaps gaming companies need to find a way to um, express the realities of gaming as a service or software as a service up front in a way that is more overt, digestible. To, to Because it's not like there, there aren't if, – if you cannot get – if you're not the sort of person that's mature enough or just – you can't get the concept of software as a service. You can find games where that is not, you can find games, you can find communities where that's not as big of a, a stumbling block. You can go elsewhere if you are genetically incapable of dealing with the realities <laughs> of software as a service. I just don't like, I would hope that most people that are those, what did, what did we say before? Early adopters right. are realizing that, that if I was an early adopter of a game today, I personally would understand that I'm getting on. I, I'm I'm uh, setting out on an adventure with the company. I'm uh, this is a journey that I'm looking at as an early adopter. I would hope that all early adopters realize that. Perhaps you've had some experience in the customer service field that <laughs> that would disprove that. But maybe maybe gaming companies need to say more up front, like, okay, this is this is okay. Could this could be four or five years of you and us together in this? You should know up front what to expect uh, beyond just you know having a legal document that says that tacitly in the background, and then weed out the people that just are not built for that experience and save you guys a bit of pain on the delivery side. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's wishful thinking on my part. It, it, it's it's a solid point. I, I think that um, I mean first you've got to look at it from what you're saying. One, the industry is huge. There's tons of video games out there. There's tons of free to play video games out there. So people can jump all the time. It's really it's really easy. Um, yeah. You know, it, unless they're brand motivated. You know, um, uh, Blizzard and Supercell <laughs> yeah. uh, have both done this very very well. Um, where you know. Uh, you know, when Rift came out, people are like, ah, oh, we're all leaving for Rift because, because World of Warcraft sucks. And then they all went back to World of Warcraft, right? Um, but so I, I would say some of the, the community does get it and sees the changes. Um, you know, I see things in, in like, um, community posts and things like that where, you know, talking about Supercell games going, hey guys, when they came out the gate, they weren't great either. They had all these major problems and it took them roughly two years to kind of get everything to where they want, and it's still ever evolving. Um, so there's the intellectual part there, right? And 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 some people are starting to get that, and I think that that's the t- the type of customer that um, uh, video game players are. Now on the other side, there's the 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 emotional piece, um, which isn't rational, right? It, it's it's emotion, and I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier is that. Um, when you feel that something's been taken away from you, you just get um, emotional and rage. And I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm going to rage. I'm going to go on the forums and rage. I'm going to go on the reviews and rage. And even if the thing that um, you used to rage about got fixed, say, you know, it, it's a slow cadence to fix bugs. Say it's say it's yeah. two or three months, right? The emotion is, you know, the person has either moved on or something like that. They're not going to come back and be like, hey, man, I'm totally sorry. You guys fixed this thing. You guys really rock. That rarely ever happens because mm. it's, it's an emotional reaction instead of an intellectual reaction. And then, you know, to the last piece of kind of what you were saying is like, how do you speak then to these people about that? That that's the rub is like I can come back and intellectually go, hey, you know, 
you know, we've only been out for, you know, four months. Um, we're working on it. We really are working on it. Um, but it can take some time. But, um, I, you know, every, every, it's amazing how many times I see within customer support and community where, uh, you know, um, I don't know, call them backseat, uh, coders, um, are like, man, you know, if you let me have a, a wackier code, yeah. I'd fix this thing in an hour. And it's like, great. That, that's wonderful. So what do you do for a job? Because I really doubt it's, you're actually a, a developer because, uh, you know, these things are incredibly hard to fix or we would fix them because it's our business and this is how we make our money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think most any time there are those reactions of, oh, obviously this is really easy. Then, <laughs> I mean, there, there are some pronounced examples of like, you know, frame rate locking because this or, mm. you know, Dark Souls on PC is trouble. So there's this other guy who did this to fix it and whatnot. You know, there, th those tend to be outliers and i expect there's more to the story than than what we see right but, um I, something came to mind while you were talking and i i think when when it was more common for mmos to be uh uh charge monthly subscription fees mm. i i, I mm. feel like there was a greater understanding and acceptance of I mean, and, and and that's not to say it was you know a hundred percent and everything was hunky dory with with uh, rebalancing, but there was a a greater acceptance of it because there, it it I want to say there was a better awareness that what they were they were subscribing to something, so they helped to mm. see it as a service, mm. as opposed to current mm. free to plays where there is a single transaction, and despite the fact that it's cheaper, because it's looked at as I purchased this thing. That therefore is now, um, uh, the, there is a sense of permanence assigned to that transaction. Hmm. And people therefore get more attached to it. Hmm. Uh, that's a really interesting thought. Um, yeah, I, I, it may make sense of, of kind of the, the subscription model, at least back then. So, um, the subscription model has now come back around. Um, and, and video games like free to play are starting to use it again. And, and I don't think it's viewed in that, that lens. But back then, I think you're probably right. I think people, you know, understood. I mean, also World of Warcraft, another great example of, you know, it has had its millions of bugs. Um, but the community has been there long enough that they know that over time things do get fixed. They understand that there is rebalancing and, and, so they know these things. So it's a, it's a very, it's a veteran community who understands these things. Now, the interesting thing is, um, and I'll take it all the way to the other side to free to play app games of, uh, this is still such a very new, um, area. You know, even though they've been out for a while, um, the truth is like it's just building and building and building internationally as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think a lot of these people are not, you know, they're not very aware of these things and they don't see them in this way. It, it, it continually, I, like you just said, is I bought this thing. This thing should work, you know, perfectly. Or what, what I even find even more fascinating is, um, and a lot of people don't know this, but you know, it's, it's, it's 5% or really less that actually pay for a free to play game. 95% or more of people who play a free to play game don't spend a dime on it. And yet they will rage just as hard as someone who's paid a lot of money and sometimes more um, because in their, their uh, view, it's, it's, 
um, you owe them. I, I've spent time on your game. I've filled up your game. Um, so fix this bug today or give me back all my money or I'll kill your family. You know, I mean, <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> and and uh, that that's one of the other things going back to the Jeff Kaplan post is um, those like death threats get yeah. really, really uh, credible when they aren't like responding on the forums, but they've dug up your personal email account and are contacting you there. Or they're contacting your boss to try to get you fired or something like this. Like no, no one wants to have to deal with that. And you're take if someone is taking it out of this um, venue of communication, then it it gets it. Well, simply put, it's unacceptable. But it gets really spooky. Oh, it, it gets crazy. I mean, uh, um, you know, uh, I when I started in the gaming industry. Um, you know, you just showed up, you showed up to work, you walked in a building, you did your thing. Um, then, you know, like a lot of companies now, then it was badging in. Now there's security guards and things like that. Um, a lot of, especially, uh, companies with their customer support teams do not publish where their customer support is, um, because they don't want people showing up. Uh, great examples of this are, uh, uh, like Nexon in Korea, where people do show up, um, to their front door. To, to ask questions. And, um, I, even as of late, like, uh, you know, I, I got hit up on LinkedIn. Um, I've got hit up on social channels. Um, I've had, uh, uh, thankfully not me, but like the, uh, we got a new community manager. Um, the community manager's, uh, face suddenly, uh, a picture, uh, got posted. Um, I mean, all of these things. And then actually the, the last one and this one, we had to actually look a little bit deeper because it was it was rather scary is a guy who was unhappy about uh, a customer support experience um, pulled out what looked to be like um, like a, a sales list or something of, of employees of the company and uh, and their numbers and everything like that. And, and we had to kind of look closer to make sure, like, is this going to be a problem? Um, it's gotten to this point where that and anonymity um has emboldened people to act you know just so vicious and not not you know i don't know i realize they they feel they don't have a voice so they're going to do whatever they need to get done but at the same time like where do you draw the line um and Mm. and is is the line being drawn at someone getting hurt um or or intimidated i i don't really know i i used to work in uh I used to work in sales for a company that um, <clears throat> during a period that which uh, it was such a boom period that uh, you couldn't possibly you couldn't possibly actually uh, say yes to all the business that was coming in for a period of time, yeah. which obviously which does, doesn't obviously happen <laughs> for extended period of times. So it, the company was in this rare situation of of um, of, fi- of firing customers, basically, <laughs> you know, that, that um, but I. I, I do wonder, like, you know, you're talking about people being having their personalized compromise, people getting hurt, et cetera. What's what's the line? I I, I do wonder, I, I, are these decisions being made about wh- when do you fi- when do you fire customers? When do you part ways? I mean, obviously, obviously, co- companies are like genetically just d- predisposed to want to smooth mm-hmm. things over. You know, I've every industry I've ever worked in, you, you know, the. Every, unless it's a, a really small company and, and you've got and you have someone who has very you know clear line of what you know what they will and won't tolerate the bigger it seems like the bigger a company gets the more 
predisposed they are to just wanting to smooth things over. But I, I, I wonder, are, are game companies good at dr- drawing that line? It doesn't, it doesn't sound like they are to me. Like I, it, particularly with free to play and with people who, who aren't, you know, 95% aren't paying, why it would seem to me it, it should be getting to a point where just deciding to part ways with people should be getting easier and easier if these if these lines are being crossed and the and the boundaries see you know they don't seem to be hazy any any longer to me to me the the more i hear about this stuff and even stuff that from i've i've heard from you the the lines of acceptable behavior do seem to be pretty clear and they're being crossed and surely it should be easy to just say okay we're done with you but uh, again uh, i don't know if that's wishful thinking <laughs> You would think that that would be the truth, um, but you know, kind of each company that I moved to, I, I, I agree that you know they, they they focus on the customer and and think, oh, you know, whatever. They're just saying this this once. I'll I'll tell you as someone you know who's been in charge of customer support teams, um, one thing that I do is um, because customer support tickets can be the the ugliest thing you've ever seen. Um, you know, it's it's not just cursing. It's it's not just dying of fire. It, it's like you know, I hope your whole family gets cancer and and you watch them die type things, right? So really, really horrible, gross stuff. Um, and um, this has been going on for for decades. And um, what I tend to, to do is um, I set up uh, my team so that if a person, you know, just dropping an F-bomb or, or saying something like I, I'm unhappy with the game like that, that's fine. But when, when it starts to get directed right toward an agent, um, I usually set up verbiage uh, to warn this person, um, telling them that, you know, hey, we want to help. We think that we can have a constructive conversation, understand frustration. That makes sense. But, but you can't attack and abuse uh, the customer support team. Um, and that'll go out. Um, and a lot of times I, I make it go out twice if it keeps going on. And the, the war, and the warning is if you continue to go like this, we won't, uh, uh, service you as far as customer support anymore. Now you can still play the game, but you won't, you won't be able to do that. Um, and I, you know, I've got a, I it just kind of eyeballing it. I've, I've got a pretty good percentage of that of about like 65, maybe 70% of people come back and, um, sometimes apologize, though that's the rare part of it, but at least are, are less abusive. Um, because they, they realize that they finally crossed the line. It's like finally slapping the hand of the child who, you know, was getting out of line. Um, though I guess that's child abuse, so not great, but, but I think you understand what I'm saying is, is, is going, no, 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 you're not crossing this line anymore. Um, but as far as like in game, um, I mean, unless you're a cheater, um, you don't tend to get banned. Now, I will say chat is probably still the wild, wild west of this, where um, especially in, in more of the free to play arena, I, I'd say like, you know, Blizzard is very strict on their chat. Um, very, very strict. And, and you can get banned from the game um, from uh, all kinds of, of crossing lines within chat. Um, I don't think you get that as much in um, kind of the, the, the app world uh, yeah. right now. And that's something that I think is is, a, is the next stage because um, you are now seeing people using global chat within these app games to really um, harass and abuse uh, each other. And But the mechanics are not in the games to be able to, um, uh, to actually uh, uh, change this behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
I, I don't know if this ana- if this analogy uh, would be a, a, a possible fix, but have either of you ever played in like a sports house league before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I used to play in a a hockey league in Australia of all the places to play in a hockey right. league. I know, I know <laughs> that's, that's cut, but you know, very typical of any sports league. We, we particularly in the, in this day and age, the, the story is the same. You know, you pay your fees. You're going to, you're going to play. You're going to be, you know, put on a team or put forward a team. There's certain set rules that the house league might have been around for a certain number of years. You know, you've got your insurance fees and everything that goes along with <laughs> playing sports <laughs> publicly. And, uh, and yet there is very, uh, clear standards of behavior for anyone. You've made an investment. I know I've I spent hundreds of dollars per year to to have the the experience of playing in that scenario, and yet there were standards of behavior that I was aware of. And if I had crossed those standards of behavior, I would have been gone, and they would have kept my money, and that would have been that. And I don't I don't know. Like per, perhaps we need to. Particularly for the games, like uh, I, I don't know why I, I I keep thinking of Overwatch, probably because Nick sent me the link to to, <laughs> to, uh, to kickstart this conversation, and maybe it maybe it doesn't work with all of them, but I, I think we need to say to people, particularly in a community type game like that, where the commu- the whole game is the community, right? With Overwatch, correct? Yeah, yes, there's these original characters, and they're all great, but it doesn't work if there isn't this community. And what you need, what you need to say to people, at least in my fantasy up front, is you're 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 paying into this community. There's a certain standard of behavior we expect everyone to behave by. We don't feel that by that we're missing out on anything by allowing levels of abuse or or tomfoolery beyond this point. This is this is where we see the line as. If you don't agree, find another community. And uh, this is what we're all buying into. And if you don't like it, nick off. Like uh, I, I don't know. I, I know it's it must be hard for a company like Blizzard that is is used to like investing huge amounts of money in in these things to to possibly limit their audience by saying, yeah, this these are the sorts of you know these are the sorts of the behavior we don't accept. If this is you, you're not a fit for us. You, you know, you want to cast as wide a net as possible, but. It just sounds like there's people like yourself and, and teams that are that are spending an awful lot of, of burning a lot of cycles, as they say, say, working on the bad actors rather than just defining the, the, the lines of demarcation and, and having everyone stick within those and not not bending on them. Um, I don't know. I, I, again, maybe maybe I'm maybe these are pie in the sky things that I'm that I'm dreaming up here, but uh, I if, I think I think if people know know up front. Uh, it's hard. It's harder for them to be able to claim that they're being hard done by or, or screwed <laughs> over. But I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I, I'm I, too rational to see to be able to see things from the, the perspective of the people you're talking about, Chris. Well, I I, I mean, first of all, I 100% agree with you. That is that is really how it should be, and and that's that's the lines we should we should draw. I think some of the I, I don't know. I think the difficulty is. Um, you know, having it's so easy to leave one game and go to another, um, especially in, in in the app world game. But but even you know you don't you don't get a, a an Xbox game that you like. You know, well actually you download them most of the time anymore. But you used to be able to you know sell it <laughs> off or whatever. Um, you know, you, you move on. Um, I, I think there's a lot of fear uh, when it comes to a lot of these games, especially since um, they're not 
you know, people are always like, oh, man, this company is making money hand over the fist. You know, they're probably just taking baths in it like like, uh, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, it, but it, but that's not the truth. I mean, usually it's actually really tight budgets. And 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 so, um, you know, every customer counts kind of mentality um, goes out there or or the focus is somewhere else. I think um, forums are a really great example of this. And I've, I've now done this at a, at a couple of companies coming in where a game is is really, really toxic. And, and the thing is, the forums can be seen in, in a couple ways. One, it's the place where the diehard players who really want to talk about your game and stay in your ecosystem are going, wow, that's a fabulous idea. But unfortunately, it's also where the most angriest, loudest people go to to talk. So It's where it, the most engaged go. Yeah, exactly. period. Engaged in all the ways that engaged can present. So remember... Uh, uh, hate is not the opposite of love. Just the strong right. emotions go both ways. Right, right, exactly. Difference is the opposite. And um, you know, I, and I joke uh, about them uh, that they they can turn into the wild, wild west if if a community manager um, is not there to enforce the rules um, of of the uh, forums. Which you know, kind of like uh, you know, you were saying earlier, it, there are forum rules and. And, um, you know, like one of the kind of traditional type of, of rules is like, don't be a jerk, you know, kind of a, almost a basic thing. And, um, but if you don't, um, you know, kind of, uh, get in there and, and tell people like, Hey, you can't, you can't, you know, say these things to this person or you can't curse like this or you can't do like that. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until it really kind of hits, um, you know, this, this piece where, now you're only ever going to get these angry people in there. And yeah, you may get some lurkers who play the game, but now it's no longer a positive place to engage about the game. Now it's just a negative place. And then you have to have a community manager come in. And what a lot of times happens is, is first you try to communicate and you have conversations with these people. Some of them will get it. Some of them won't. And then you do a whole lot of banning of people's IPs and then they can't, <laughs> and, and then they can't get into the forums anymore. And this is the thing is I've seen this happen and it takes around 90 to 120 days. But if you do that, um, the angriness, the, the, the toxicness, um, will get a lot, lot lower. And suddenly these people who are lurkers who just wanted to talk about the game that they love and may have some agreement with these people, but don't want to be so aggressive. They come out of the woodwork and start having conversations. So it really is positive. In, in in that area to see it now we just need to do it for um the bigger part of the game and go hey we want everybody to have fun and if you're if you're here to take away from someone's um fun um in a different way than just beating them <laughs> then then really you shouldn't be here and um i like the idea of breaking up with customers because not not every product is right for every customer mm-hmm. um you know uh it, it's just some people need, you know, maybe maybe they need to do some meditation or something. I don't know. I've I've once heard it said that you're not a salesman until you've talked a customer out of buying something. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or at least a good salesman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So one one thing. Um. I, I a, a quick thought I had is that um. One of the things that that I, I think. What you were just talking about, Chris, about moderating the forums might help to uh, work against this. But I, I suspect, and this is certainly not for every, but some some percentage of of the uh, user base that 
um, escalates their rhetoric and becomes toxic. Maybe they are doing so because they feel that it is necessary for them to do so in order for their voice to be heard at all. Like, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, squeaky wheel gets the oil kind of a thing. Oh, you're, you're exactly right. And, um, that's not even just the forums, but that's social media. I mean, um, and customer support. Um, so I think, you know, a good example is, is going back to bugs, right? You know, bugs are a horrible, no one wants bugs in their game. I, I don't want to play a video game that has major bugs and, and I don't want major bugs in my video game because it costs me money. Um, but there are parts of, of the game. Now, Again, and, and you chuckled earlier when I was talking about kind of, you know, iterating cadence, you know, it can take months to fix a bug, um, even if you have the resources. And a lot of times game teams are not huge, and, and I'm not sure if people realize that, but, you know, game teams are mostly kind of, you know, small core core groups. And so everybody's got a job and doing something every day and building and making things better for your game, but going back and fixing things can be tough. Now, if if it takes a while... So I put in a ticket to, to customer support, you know, a few of the same bug and the customer support agent is like, Hey, totally understand. Yes, it is a real thing. Um, we've sent it off to the developers. They're working on it. But if I do that for a few times and that's all I hear, then I'm like, they're not listening to me. They're not fixing that. Well, okay. Now I'll go to the forums or I'll go to social media and then, and then start flaming, you know, out there to be heard. And then even sometimes if that doesn't work, um, the new thing is, uh, is trying to go like either to an executive, uh, get them on Twitter or, or, or even their email, um, mm. going to the, the better business bureau. <laughs> I mean, I, you laugh, but it's totally true. And no, I and, laugh because I believe you. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, um, so I, I understand they want to be heard, but you know, at, at some point, and maybe it is a misunderstanding of, of like, you know, these things take a while. And, and then I think the other, the other <clears throat> problem with that is, um, you'll see like features that have been worked on for probably six months, you know, suddenly come out and, but there's a big bug. But, and people are like, why'd you put out this feature? Go fix bugs instead. You're crazy. But this thing was already in the pipeline and worked on. And so it, it's natural for it to come out. Um, and, and in the end, really, there's there's a fine line, you know. Features get you more money, um, but fixing bugs helps churn. And so a, a lot of times, uh, what game companies have to balance are resources and go, well, where are we at in in that paradigm of, well, mm. are are we having tons of people churn? God, man, we need to focus on bugs and let's focus on on you know community and sentiment and and those pieces. Or is it, um, well. We've got some churn, but it's acceptable churn. We need to get these new features out because we do need to make money to keep going and and um, continue to build on this game. Mm, yeah. Um, one additional thought that I had about this is that a lot of times it seems that people – and this is something that I've gone about a lot in the past – is people blaming the publisher's – <laughs> unnecessarily okay so we've talked about software as a service yeah. and a whole bunch of people complain about you know putting microtransactions in games and other stuff uh jim sterling talks about his his fee to pay kind of a thing 
Um, and you know, it may be unsavory, but there's also a lot of other business stuff on the back end that makes it make sense. Like if, if anybody out there looks up the ask a game dev Tumblr, I just found that and it is awesome explaining how budgeting works for stuff and, and all kinds of things. But, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, even, even, um, I, uh, the Gaming Outsider podcast had an episode about toxicity, about the same uh, Jeff Kaplan post a, a couple of weeks ago. And one of the points that they came up with was, you know, they were saying like, oh, it's it's not the, the uh, you know, blaming microtransactions for being greedy and, and saying that it's not the the developer's pr- fault. So don't blame the developers. It's the publisher's fault and, and said stuff about, well, I don't think that, uh, you know. <laughs> They, they wanted to put microtransactions in this. Uh, it, it was the publishers that swooped in at the last minute and said, put this in there because they're greedy. And okay, okay. Uh, uh, and, and this is, this is just me probably just getting on my soapbox a bit here, but, um, <laughs> stop blaming the publisher for everything, please. Uh, and and it's it's looked at as now uh, publishers are some vampiric force on the industry that um you know try to 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 just suck life out of it because it's not a boxed product anymore so publishers obviously don't have to you know produce physical media and get shelf space and all that so what are they doing well how about this publishers are the ones who pay the developers in the first place because you know they're not going to be getting money for anything until it sells so you need money to actually do things in the first place that comes from a publisher yes there are, are exceptions to this where people can kickstart or garage developers or they have their own sources of funding that's totally fine but a lot of times that comes from a publisher publishers also run user acquisition because a lot of people say you know if you make a great product oh it'll find an audience that's that again there are exceptions <laughs> to this but that's not generally true. You could make the best thing out there and you put it out on Steam. No one knows about it. No one's ever going to know about it. There's no word of mouth if no one sees it in the first place. So, I, you know, yeah. I, I laugh because you and I have, uh, have had this uh, conversation on and off for a long time and, and seen it. And, and I, I agree. I even have to laugh at, at that whole, uh, you know, it was the publisher who told him to put microtransactions in. Oh, no, 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 I, no. no. I, I, I have, I have quite literally, literally been in a situation where i saw someone from inside the game industry complaining about like a microtransaction and game economy thing and saying this publisher is ruining the game and i turned around and it was our game i turned around and went to the <laughs> producer and said did because we're at the publisher and i said did we have any communication with the developer about this feature no we had absolutely none it was not us no, they did it on their own. So guess what, people? No, the publisher does not always come in and tell you to put in microtransactions. Developers actually do that on their own. Again, not to say that any of this is 100% of the time. Not right, to say that right. all publishers are always awesome, but right. it ain't a one-way street, okay? Yeah. And, and so this- don't don't just be blanket blaming the publishers for being greedy that injects toxicity into things, okay? Anyway, pay... Hell, hell, I'm half. sorry, uh, sorry, Jeff, but Chris, like... I, I know you've been on the publisher side. Publishers will also run community. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, we're the ones trying to fight the toxicity. Hmm. Sorry, I, I say we as though I am entirely identifying with the publisher, <laughs> but I'm at a publisher now, so it's just my frame of reference. Right, right. Uh, I mean, the, the thing is, like, it, the developers, pretty much the only thing that they do is they code and make the game. Everything else is done by the publisher. Now, you would think that the publisher inherently has the power 
to make the, um, the developers do exactly what they want to do. Um, <laughs> and, and, right. Right. and it's so not true. Um, and it also depends on which publisher you're at as well. Um, yeah, yeah. all of that is different. definitely going to be based on the, the agreement between the developer and the publisher. Yeah, whether it's right. in-house, whether it's not in-house, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I, and, I mean, or, or there are cases of, of publishers like pulling strings and doing jerky stuff to developers, but right, you know, right. The, you got, you got to have your eyes open when you're signing the agreement in the first place. Not to be blaming the victim there, but I mean, that, that is also just a true thing. Exactly. I mean, it, it's, and it's almost never, it, it always makes me laugh. I just saw a post just lately, um, uh, where, um, finally, Someone said, oh, hey, no, this company is, is the publisher. This is actually the developers. Why oh aren't goodness. we blame, why aren't we blaming them? And, and there were, and it was such a short thread. It made me laugh because it was like, there were like, some people were like, hold on. That makes a lot of sense. We should do that. And then, and then just basically all the trolls came back out and said, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's the publisher. They could get them to do whatever they wanted to do. They're, they're the horrible people and should all die. Um, and like, Guys, you know, we're we're just trying to make money, but we want to do right by because we're the other differences. A publisher is trying to build a brand, right? Um, video game publishers, they want to be Supercell. They want to be Zynga. They want to be uh, Blizzard. Um, and so they're building. So just one product is not not it. Whereas studios, studios, it's it's product by product a lot of times or they're looking to get bought out um, in the long run. And and so. It really is their baby. It's it's not the publisher's baby. On, on top of that, on top of that, if you're going to talk about the publisher-developer relationship, one taking advantage of the other, again, this is only coming from my experience, so it's it's it can be a very skewed sample set. But uh, I think I've seen more developers take advantage of publishers than the other way around by you know saying like, okay, you, you've invested in this game, and then they don't pay attention to any reason when it comes to making a good product, and they make a really crappy, crappy. Crappy, 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 <laughs> yeah. crappy product that that does not go anywhere and it gets mercy killed really fast. And right, and who pays? You, you, and who you pays can't for convince that? me that that's not the developer yeah. taking some advantage of the publisher's money. But but and, and who pays for that? The publisher. Yeah, the pays publisher. For that. That's well, they're to being taken advantage of in there. Right, right. The, the say the game doesn't make it out of out of soft launch because you know technical re you know technical reasons you couldn't fix your your garbage code or or whatever, and 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 so it becomes very very difficult um, because the publisher has to eat those costs. Um, mm -hmm. And, 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 and pay for users. They have to pay a bunch of money to get users into the game, only to find out that they only stick around for fifteen minutes. And it can yeah. hurt the brand again, right? You've yeah. got to, you mm. you've just put a bad product out there, and now they they you know people look at it like, oh, what was this game? Because again, you know, soft launch or beta, you know, it, it's rarely specifically advertised or, or in specific ways. It, uh, you know, it is, but a lot of times what um, companies will do is they'll they'll go to certain areas in the world and um, try their game out there to see kind of what the metrics look like. Um, so it's those those areas of the world are are you know typically used for beta testing and it's not great and they're pissed and then they're they're ang again angry at the the, the publisher and the studio kind of goes you know it, it may hurt the studio it could close the studio I mean I, I do feel for studios as well is they're only as good as the next game they put out and if that mm -hmm. game if that game doesn't stay well 
you know, there are many a studio that have put out one great game and then died or two great games and then died. I mean, it, it's just kind of a nature of the business. Yeah. Uh, like we, I, I think you, you were the one on before about the, uh, uh, what was it? The message when a, a publisher bought a developer and it was like, they, they thought it would just be driving a dump truck full of money and said, Keep right. going, you crazy diamonds or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact they had a fundamentally broken business, which is why they needed to get bought out in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I you know, they're, they're little startups. They're, I mean, most uh, game teams, uh, developer teams start off, you know, maybe like five people. Um, and then they build out and build out. And, and if they get with a publisher and the publisher is like, yeah, build us a game, then the publisher gives them money. And then they, they try to fill in more resources as quickly as possible. But, um, you know, I, this is the thing is I would say there are times to blame the publisher. Definitely. And then there are oh, yeah. times, times to, to blame the, uh, the studio. But in the long run, let, let's, let's try to have at least a conversation around, you know, why are you unhappy and, and, and how can we help? But then also set the expectation that, you know, fixing things again, as I, the analogy that I used earlier, it's not a red button moment. It's not just hit the red button and like, okay, man, we heard you. We fixed it right away. Um, huh. just understanding that is, is the important part. And then there's going to be a lot less toxicity and, and a lot less blame game, I guess. Mm. I'm sorry. We left the Ava is nerf flag active in the server. We're going to fix that right now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let me turn the lag flag off. Right. Right. You know, um, or the, you know, you you didn't like the drop rate flag. uh, (laughs) Like, you know, I, that's something that I've been fighting over, you know, lately is, is, is drop rates. And I'm, I'm actually surprised. Well, I should say, I, I was surprised at first, like, why, why are people like not understanding drop rates? Like drop rates have been part of video games forever. And, you know, like people are like, uh, uh, like they're not random. You guys, you know, like we know it's not random. It's like, well, it's not totally random. You set a percentage and then based on the percentage, <laughs> you can get it. It's like, it's like flipping a coin, right? I, I uh, think, well, there's some people who have some, some, uh, biases about it thinking that, oh, if a person pays money, they get better rates, right? But it's but not true. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's or or maybe true. it's because there's a couple of bad actors out there who actually did that, and now everyone thinks that all of all games do that. Right. Right. Or you know, the, the fact is, um, it. And again, I think it goes back to these people kind of go out and, and troll, and and whether they believe what they're saying or not, you know, they they go out and and tell a story, um, and the story may not be even true, but you see it. Um, you know, just, just, it goes viral. Um, I, again, something like that happened, uh, with one of my games not too lately where, uh, uh, a, a bug did occur. Um, but then at the same time, uh, someone took a screenshot that wasn't really accurate, told a certain story, and then it went crazy viral. It was all, over all of our social channels. It went into customer support, stuff like that. And so we had to fight someone's lie. One person. One person's lie because they put up the screenshot and and that it's like really like and, and you know, talking about spending time on bad actors. It's like, what could I what could we have done extra that, you know, couple days instead of instead of dealing with someone who is basically making up a story that you guys all fell for? <sighs> Crazy. Right. It, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Not to say that I don't love my job. I really do love, yeah. you know, but and this is getting really deep and heavy and stuff like that. I love my job. I love the video game industry. Oh, yeah. I love, I love, um, video game players. I mean, one of the other things that I, I do try to point out, um, you know, and I've been, I've been in the customer support business for a long, long time, video games, you know, uh, uh, a, a little bit less, but, um, you know, when all you see is kind of like the smallest percentage, and, and a lot of times you only speak to 1% or less of your customer base, right? There are a lot of people who are really, really happy. There are a lot of people that you've, you've helped their lives. I've seen, um, you know, and, and it's rare, you know, it's, it's funny. I always t- talk to people. It's like, you know, 99.9% of your day or week or month or whatever, you're going to see really negative tickets, but every once in a while you'll get a good one and hold on to that one. Sometimes even copy it so that you can look at it when you're having a good day because mm-hmm. it can make a real difference. Um, one of the, uh, without saying the specific game, but uh, one of the stories I'd like to tell of, of a good positive experience was um, when I was wor- working on a, on a team and uh, an email came in and this woman uh, was like, you know, hey, my mom um, just died lately. And I was wondering, is there somehow that the developers can put something in the game? Um, to honor her. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, that's not something that, that we could do, but, um, I, the email came to me and I was like, okay, you know, let me, let me talk to this person. And, and so I basically sent out a response like, hey, you know, we can't put something in the game, but I'd love to really talk to you the next time you're in game. Let me know. I'm going to come in and talk to you. And so I, um, did, uh, it was a couple of days later and we had this amazing experience. Um, I remember even, you know, I asked her, like, tell me about your mom. And she's like, oh, you know, you don't want to hear about that. And I was like, no, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. And she told me, like, that her mom and her bonded over this game, that they would run around and pretend to, you know, do things from the game, like when they were in Walmart and just being silly. And, uh-huh. um, it, it, you know, it was really touching. Like, it, 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 you know, this was years ago, and I still think about it, and it's like, Okay, yes, there are trolls and there's negativity and there's toxicity, but there's also heart out there. And, and that's something that I have to kind of hold close and, and also put, uh, make sure my teams understand so that we don't get lost in that toxicity. Because I think yeah. that's one of the difficult things and even, um, um, kind of what, what, uh, uh, Kaplan was speaking about was it's really, really hard on the people um, who are making this game for you and providing this experience for you when they see a lot of toxicity. Understand there's frustration on bugs. Understand that, enough, that things aren't perfect and you want to be heard. But don't forget that there there are real people on the other side of it. So when you say things like, I hope your entire family dies or you know things like that, it does affect people. And, and I think we've got to remember that. We've got to have a little bit nicer culture. Um, and and being kind to each other is is not a negative thing. Mm. Yeah, I, it it's something that I remind myself of a lot is that um, I believe that those those good things um, they're all over the place, but they're very quiet. Yes. Yeah. So you don't uh-huh. you don't hear about them a lot because people don't advertise them very much. But right. They're they're all over the place. You know. Exactly. Exactly. I mean that's and, and it's. In the, in the customer support business, and, you know, it's all, they've always said it like, you know, if one person's happy, they may tell one other person, right? If one person's unhappy, they tell 10 people and then those 10 people, and it goes on. So that's why that, that loud to- toxic voice, um, is heard more than the rest. 
Um, but but never forget, you know, there there's goodness out in the world. There's goodness um, in video game players hearts. And, um, you know, I, I, I what I look at as my job is to listen to that um, voice of the customer, um, you know, p- put it together and, and get it up to uh, the developers so that they can iterate and can get better. So part of my job is really hopefully to make a better player experience in that way. And then and then the, the toxicity will go down. Um, and then we can all be more happy. Um, mm. I mean, I think there's always going to be some toxicity, right? There's always going to be those people out there that are going to say these things and, and stuff like that. But it, it's, it's trying to, you know, get people back in the headspace of, you know, we can have conversations with each other without abusing each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now is a point in the conversation where I want to take a sharp left turn. <laughs> Uh, because we got a question, uh, from Judge Greg, host of, uh, the real hero talk here on the Enthusiasts. Uh, but he wanted us to discuss the, uh, the house party game. Right. Um, I don't know how familiar either of you guys are with this. I am kind of obliquely aware. I've seen a couple, like, I, I watch NerdCubed sometimes and he'll play a whole bunch of weird stuff. So I, I saw him mess around with it. And, from what I gather, it looks like this is almost trying to be a more um, open-ended uh, version of Leisure Suit Larry. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, you try to set up your own – or you're in this house party and you're trying to uh, either jump through hoops or um, trick or get drunk. <laughs> Right. Uh, women or people. I don't know if it's, <laughs> if it's specifically women, uh, to, to have sex with or something like that. Um, from what I saw from the NerdCube play, the, the game is not robust in its functionality. <laughs> like, like you can, you can toss stuff over the fence and then it's just gone from the world because there's no, no floor outside the, the fence around the house or something like that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, it it seems to me, from from what I've seen, it looks mostly like uh, crass and and doesn't live up to having the heart of a a Leisure Suit Larry game. And yes, I I, I meant that because that might be a pretty low bar there, depending <laughs> on which iteration you're playing, I suppose. Right. I I yeah, when I did some some research on it, it, it just I don't know it. Is it is it the right time for this kind of game, right? I mean, with everything yeah. that's going on with with society and and you know on college campuses and things like that, like, um, you know, it, it, I guess it comes to like where do you uh, draw the responsibility for people who make games, right? It, um, mm. And and I think this is going to get more and more real um, with uh, with virtual reality, um, and you know. Those people who are aware of like, you know, like Second Life, uh, where, you know, there's there's good places and bad places. Right. <laughs> this, this is kind of I think I think kind I think of, the dogs should vote. <laughs> right. For I, anyone I, who's seen the right. Monster Factory. Yeah. And if you haven't, you should. It's hysterical. But. It is. It is hysterical. But I, I, I think, you know, I think this is where my, my problem with this type of game is, is like, does it does it cross a line? Does it does, is, does it go somewhere where? Um, you know, maybe we're teaching the wrong lessons. Um, you know, yes, we are in the fun business and yes, there are crazy things. I mean, you know, 
you know, some of my favorite games are, are first person shooters. Uh, you know, is that a good thing? Um, and maybe it goes back to the, you know, the, the, the 80s kind of conversations of, you know, do video games make you do bad things? Um, which I have always, you know, fought against. But then at the same time, do you make a video game like this that? Well, yeah. And I, I think some of that comes back to like, do, do video games cause you to do bad things? Well, to go back to an earlier point, well, what happens if you fed a drip feed of power fantasy for right. decades? What, what, what effect is it? We can't turn around and say that this has no effect on anybody's mentality. Uh, if you look at it through that lens, like if you look at it from a single game, you know, you should be able to um, intellectually distinguish it from the real world. But if you wind up steeping yourself, again, in these power fantasies, constantly telling you that you're the special, at what point do you start to internalize something like that? And I'm not saying that, that that's I, – I believe that that is what's happening, but right. I do think that that is, you know, something to consider. I think they're stepping up to the line real, real close, and and uh, th- there's a possibility of 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 crossing it. Um, with my understanding of the game, I haven't played it, so I, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's a fabulous game, and and it, and it's just fun and goofy and not creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, or and 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 if it is if it is as creepy as it sounds like, it is it is once again falling into that trap of like w- one uh, women are the the trophies to be won right and you have to do you know steps a b and c to unlock the trophy which you know is yeah false it's... for one thing <laughs> yeah false we all know that's not true in real life well most um, of us should I... know at least <laughs> yeah exactly well <laughs> Again, so three true. dudes sitting around talking about this conversation, talking about this topic. So. Very true. Yeah, it would be probably be amazing to have a you know a, a woman uh, again talk about uh, their experience in, in gaming because it is very different than a male's. And I think a game like this could be very offensive to uh, a female base, which I think that the take the emotion out of it and, and put the intellectual part into it. Um, there have been studies showing that there are becoming more and more uh, women gamers out there than ever before. And, and it's an untapped market. Um, you know, there's, um, uh, I'm forgetting the name, but, um, oh, the, 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 uh, I can't remember the company right now, but, uh, uh, the, the, uh, choose your own adventure type, um, story, uh, games that are out there now, um, they're really focused on women and, um, they're becoming very, very successful. So I, I think, I, I think, Actually, it's smarter to, to actually get into um, more of a either female-based game or, or a more kind of midstream game that appeals to more people than going for this kind of core, um, you know, uh, power fantasy game that, you know, yeah, there may be a lot of guys who are into that, but you're actually probably limiting yourself as a business just looking mm-hmm. at through purely the business lens. Yeah, and and we could go way off there about the business of constantly appealing to your, you know, straight white male player base, <laughs> right. causing attrition among any other demographics who might start losing interest. So are you playing to your base? Or are you going to appeal to a wider audience? And blah 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 blah. But that that would be going off, and we've probably been going on for a pretty good chunk here already. <laughs> uh, Jeff, did you have any thoughts you'd want to add on house party? Uh only that, and this is something we talked about quite a bit on the 
we did a follow-up points streak episode to we did an episode on violence like two years ago and i i wanted to mm. do an episode on sex so we did mention house party in passing but i don't know my my take on it is that uh i find an incredible double standard between discussions on violence in games and and sex in in games and i i would probably i would probably pay more attention to the discussion if there wasn't such a a, a double standard about it um it I, the, I, the threshold I, what, for one, what sorry go on <laughs> Uh, one, one thing to possibly consider with that, um, is, say, violence is a bit less, well, I mean, you, you can have your, you know, military shooters where you're always targeting brown people, but sex can often tend to be presented with a framing of, um, the, the women, are, again, the women are the prize, mm. or something like that, which can be, Somewhat victimizing in itself, which can change the framing of the conversation about it. Doesn't I don't mean that to say there is a double standard, and I I probably lost the train of my train of logic there about halfway through. But the point being that that um, there there can be some some differences there still that are that are worth considering. I, I think that's an that would be an interesting discussion topic though, because I I you know even kind of putting myself in, in the corner of, again, talking about kind of like the eighties and whether it was like rock music or video games make you, you know, a bad person, uh, person kind of thing. But, but at the same time, I don't believe that, but is there a problem? I think, you know, the, the, the sex versus violence piece, um, is an interesting, um, topic and, and not an easy one to be honest with you. Yeah. I just always found the threshold for what's considered controversial, about sex in games is so much lower than the threshold for con- for controversy about violence. Like, I mean, I, I, I remember oh, yeah. hearing things about, I, I remember one of the points we, not to reiterate the whole podcast, but one of the points we came, came up with was in the lead up to the original Mass Effect being released, a couple of uh, very poorly informed comments about their relationship angles in the game and, and what mm. sex etc would be in ended up being blown up into something that was a complete fabrication uh, and then and then uh years later in the lead up to andromeda being released someone makes a a flippant comment about the game being softcore porn and it's all you heard about for a few days like <laughs> why why is this still newsworthy all you have to do is mention this this topic and people go go off about it so that's why i tend to start from a, a rather cynical position on it because just generally speaking that subject is always treated in a in a less serious way right uh, i you know i i start from assuming that that someone's overreacting because every other time i hear about it it's it's an overreaction it's very very seldom do i ever hear a reasoned discussion about sexual commentary in games it's it's usually mm-hmm. either completely poor, poorly informed or right. or like written or written by someone who doesn't actually have any knowledge of the subject <laughs> matter uh, right. the, last, the last time i heard a nuanced discussion about i mean i can't remember the last time i, I saw a nuanced discussion about sexual content in gaming apart from the podcast we did and that's not to congratulate us it's just it happens so rarely that uh that that I, I i literally can't point to good examples or or thoughtful examples of the the topic for the most part yeah yeah no, that's it's that's a reasonable point and then again as, as we uh said earlier three three dudes sitting around talking about it so it would be fascinating to get you know a woman's point of view because i think a lot of the 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 nuances and the problems you're saying is it's because games are made by men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, well, now is time for the 
uh, as we draw to a close, the war story segment. And 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 Chris, you you kind of shared one of your own earlier with the touching story of of uh, um, the mother passing away. Yeah. Uh, the kind of speaking of passing away, um, possibly relates to to one uh, that I was going to share. I actually completely forgot about this until the other day. Hmm. Um, and it kind of goes to show how, uh, communications can be really difficult, even within a team, even within, you know, your, your own office, right? Uh, there was, um, in the, at the place I was working at, they had a, a parking structure, right? A big parking complex, all for this company. And there was one red convertible that was in there and the, the roof was down. I mean, it wasn't, it, it wasn't on the top floor, so it wasn't exposed to the elements, but it was there for months and it like never moved. Huh. And it got to the point where like we were one, you know, a couple of weeks goes by, you might not notice, but you know, the, the time starts going on. You're like, I don't think I've ever seen that car move and it's had its <laughs> top down the entire time. Yeah. And it starts collecting dust. You're like, no, that thing doesn't move. Um, and then there's some, some macabre, uh, things like uh, about it. Sorry, how like someone draws with their finger on the side, check the bay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and I'm still not entirely sure about this, but it stands to reason that these two things are related because the game I was working on at the end, uh, the credits contained a memorial to someone who died while working on the project. <laughs> and that might have been their car. Oh, wow. Um, and, I mean, I don't I don't know. No one told us anything about it. But, uh, yeah, that one was weird. It was, it was a really weird thing to remember, kind of out of nowhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I think that'll start. Uh, uh, we can start drawing this one to a close. It was a great conversation. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Definitely, sir. Happy to be here. Yeah, and Jeff, what do you got uh, coming up on uh, the upcoming Point Street or Streets or what you got in the pipeline? Well, we we should be getting to that wrestling uh, genre. Wrestling uh, yeah. genre. Nice. We we sort of teased. I I hesitate to use the word genre, but may I don't know. Maybe that is a genre in, a, in and of itself. <laughs> I think it's uh, enough one. of them. You yeah. can call it a genre. I think. <laughs> sure. Which I find Format. hilarious because Angry Video Game Nerd just did his last episode on wrestling games, and that oh, I haven't even seen that. I got to look that one up. Complete coincidence. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking everyone's going to think that that was my source of inspiration, and and it, trust me, it wasn't. This is the discussion hey. going back like two months ago from Greg and right. I. Uh, that's uh, probably there, the next you, you might want to also check out. Uh, there's a show, Wrestling with Regret, and there's episodes there where they go over like uh, uh, various video games from different eras. Cool. Oh, cool. We're also mm. talking about uh, looking back at uh, Last of Us as well. There's um, a few mm. people have, have played it recently, and uh, we don't we don't normally do single episodes on one game, but I think this one's got enough interested parties that I'll try and play it myself, and then facilitate a conversation on that. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Uh, and and then my mind just completely blanked on the outro. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in any, in any case, if there's anybody out there who would like to 
see me write about anything on the Behind the Line article series or hear us talk about anything here on Behind the Line Radio, you can always get in touch with me at kinetic at enthusiax.com. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K at enthusiax.com. Or reach out to me on Twitter at kineticknows, K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K-K-N-O-W-S. Probably any question or comment you give me, you'll get on the air. So have at it, Hoss. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again, uh, Chris and Jeff, for coming on. And we'll see you all next time, everybody. Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter, at Enthusiacs. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiacs, and like us on Facebook, Enthusiacs. Enthusiacs.